What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach. Our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You've only got 30 seconds to make an impression about what you say about yourself or your product or your company. Do you know what makes you different from everybody else who does the same thing that you do? Our guest today is going to explain how you can develop that for yourself. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Manage Smarter. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesField. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the president and CEO of SalesFuel. And I remember, Audrey, back when, when we were younger professionals, uh, we used to call that a unique selling proposition. And, I, <laughs> and now they call it a value prop. But it's like, I think that the key letter there is letter U, which is the unique part. And that's what I'm hoping that we'll learn more about today. Yeah, so Glenn Rudin is here. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for coming to the microphones. Hello. Thanks for having me to the microphone. I appreciate the opportunity. Everyone, Glenn is a marketing sales consultant, public speaker, and product development expert with his company, Always Been Creative. It's alwaysbeencreative.com. He has more than 25 years of hands-on experience and creates unique strategies for companies, products, and people so that they truly stand out versus their competitors. And if you're trying to develop your personal brand or have people within your organization know what you're, you're really all about and can explain it in 30 seconds, Glenn's your man. So well, you said you have a line that helps people understand understand what this is all about. Right. I, I started challenging people to try and figure out literally what is your flame broiled and I'll explain. Often you'd say a burger is a hamburger is a hamburger and I say not true. Burger King over the years was faced with stiff competition from McDonald's and Wendy's and local hamburger places and they figured out at their core their burgers are flame broiled. So if you want a burger that tastes like that, that's where you have to go. Now, they've layered marketing campaigns on top of that. Some memorable, have it your way. Some not so memorable. Anybody remember Herb? But oh. overall, they've stuck with their roots of flame broiling. That's still the taste of their burgers when you go into their shops. And so I say to people regarding your business, what is your flame broiled? What makes you stand out versus all the other people that are out there that do the same thing you do? You know, and, and to that end for managers, you know, it's not just your personal brand. It's, it, it's not, or it's not the company's brand. Yeah, but another thing that you can do if you want to get ideas conveyed and pushed through, approved, and, and get buy-in on stuff is to give projects interesting brands, brand names, things of that nature, to get people excited about it, right? Yes, I think that's a great way. Again, it's all about differentiation. If you continue to bring sameness in, in the case that you're bringing up, um, Lee, your customer is your VP or the person that you report to. And mm -hmm. so you need to differentiate your proposals the same way your company differentiates what they're putting out in the marketplace versus your competitors. You want to stand out. You want a project to be heralded. You want a project to have eyes on it. And really the way to do that is to make it stand out. So what's flame broiled about your project? I love that idea. You know, so if, if, I'm, if you, for example, are, are tasked with 
trying to bring a group back from the dead or something like that, or, or, or project back from the dead, it's project Phoenix or it's, you know, it's something, uh, hopefully it's not project Icarus. That would not be good. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's just an example of you say something like that and people immediately know, okay, this is what we're trying to do here. Okay. I can rally behind that. And it, it, it's just, you know, it just, rather than saying, well, this is the quarter four, blah, 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 that, that, that inspires nobody, that gets nobody excited, and it doesn't really communicate anything to anybody. So branding, I think, is important internally as much as it is externally. It is. And, and again, when you're talking about differentiation, it's also finding something that everybody in the organization can get behind. So it's bringing that creative flair to whatever that new project is, as you said. If you can't get enthusiastic about it, if it's just another, here's our fourth quarter proposal, the one we did last year, we're dusting it off. This year it's going to be 11%. Last year it was 10%. How's anybody going to get excited about that? And if they can't get excited about it, how in the world are they going to buy into it? And in a business like yours, where you're trying to help companies come up with sales strategies like that, and they've got to internally have their own products that they get excited about, if they can't, if they can't rally around, something creative and original, why in the world, when it gets to the outside world, would it be exciting to them? So this is a huge field that you're operating in. I guess the logical question would be for a, a listener, where do I start? Like, is, is there a set of questions I should ask myself? Well, you know, Lee touched upon it earlier, and it really comes back to that USP, that unique selling proposition. And what a lot of people fail to understand is that what makes your company unique might not exist today. You might have to sit down, you might have to break everything down to its basic core and say, look, here's what our competition's doing. This is what's working for them. We don't want to copy them, but we see this is a trend going on in the marketplace. We don't do this now, but maybe this is something we should start thinking about doing. We might have to start from scratch. In other words, that, that unique item might not be part of your arsenal right now. And that's where getting creative, whether you hire somebody on the outside to help you come up with that, or you take your people off site and you say, listen, we're going to have a brainstorming contest now, and we're going to come up with something that's going to make what we do, even though we're a commodity, we're going to come up with a way to make it unique. In Burger King's case, it's the flame broil. I heard a great story the other day about Coors, just another beer, and they came up with the idea of cold. They were going to market everything about Coors being cold because they're from Colorado. Well, guess what? Every beer is cold, but this is a niche that they picked. This is something they went after, and everything they did from that point forward, they had buy-in from everybody, and they brought creative ideas everywhere on cold. The cans turn a certain color when they're cold. There were promotions in the bars. You know, every can has to be served in a cake of ice. Again, that imagery about the cold. Go back to the Burger King about the flame broil. So it might not exist today for your company. And that's the beginning of the story, not the end of the story. Okay, so we want to get to that. So if a manager is going to take their team offsite and they're going to have a brainstorming session, what are the rules or what are the guidelines for having a productive, effective brainstorming session? Well, I think in the first case is everything within reason is okay. You can't have a bad idea 
because you don't want to discourage anybody in the organization from coming up with something that might actually work. And as soon as you start pigeonholing people into saying, well, we're not going to go in that category, we're going to stay away from that, then you immediately start to cut off the blood supply to the creativity. And so you don't want to do that. You want everybody to feel equal and you want everybody to feel like whatever idea they have spontaneously, let's put it out, let's put it on the board, let's see which ones rise to the top, which ones seem popular, which ones can we adopt, which ones make sense for us and looking at the marketplace, which ones are looking internally at the company, which ones are going to get a rise out of and get absolute buy-in from everybody in the company. Some of my best ideas started off as really bad ideas or smart-ass remarks, and then somehow that they, they germinated and, and, and we matured them into really, really good ideas, but it started off just by being silly and stupid, and uh, yeah, you're right. If you shut, the silly, shut off the silly and stupid or people are afraid of you know, looking uh, bad in front of other people, uh, yeah, you'll never get that. You know that line about, you know, check your ego at the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you come into a meeting where you've got a strong VP, someone who's like the senior bull, whether it's a, you know, female or male, and they dominate these meetings and people Usually feel female. like, oh, so-and-so <laughs> is never, ever going to like my idea, that idea is never going to make it to the forefront. Yeah. But if people feel comfortable and they feel that they can contribute no matter what level they're at, you never know where that flame broil or ice cold beer or bada book, bada boom. What is that all about going to come from? <laughs> Baba booey. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, with your clients for your company, when you come out of a session like that, then cold is such a simple concept. I love that you gave that as an example. What do you do next? Do you um, curate it? Do you bake it? Like, how do you know it's the right choice? <laughs> it's the one. Well, <laughs> Go ahead, Leigh. I didn't want to I was going to say, like, well, one of the things that we do here at Sales Fuel is, like, we always have the morning after test. So, it's like, we get really excited about something like that, and we don't do anything with it. We, we set it aside and, and come back the next day or whatever. If we're still just as excited about it or whatever, then it's a go. And usually, though, yeah, you know, I thought about it. You know, what about this and what about that? I'm not so sure about that. And so, sometimes it, does, it doesn't pass the morning after test. Then it's like it's not going to stand the test of time, when, you know, over a week, a month, or a year. Well, I think the challenge there is that the person who brought up the idea, if it's truly an idea that the company would consider, I think it becomes incumbent upon everybody to give that person a chance to really sell it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you give it a couple of days and you come back and you say, okay, we're, we're thinking about flame broiled or we're thinking about ice cold. Now really sell us on it. It was a germ of an idea. Where do you see it going? And if somebody can actually layer in the ideas the, the pillars and the foundation for that to really build it up and build something around it, then I think you really have something that you can at least, you know, we used to call this cul-de-sac testing. Can you take it home and ask your significant other? Do you have a couple of uh, smart millennials who think they know everything and bounce it by them, you know, depending on who you think the customer might be and see what you, what, what people actually think about that. Get, a, get some, some raw, raw feedback, not any kind of data that you're paying for, but just in the cul-de-sac, you're going out to get the newspaper or your morning coffee and you see the neighbor and you're, hey, what do you think of, uh, you know what I do for a living, what would you think of this as, a, as an idea? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, close friend, a couple of different people to bring in and do your own little 
crafty market research and see if the light bulbs go on or if people are really like, wow, I don't know what somebody was drinking when they came up with that one, but that's <laughs> not going to work. Now, you have something in your, in your program called creative business thinking. What is it? Well, creative business thinking is the idea of, again, getting away from your core business and just saying, what, what are the things that we either in the past might have thought about trying? What are different crazy things that you know, we might want to throw against the wall and see if they stick? And very often, as Lee was saying before, you come back the next day, they don't sound like good ideas. But again, the creative business thinking is really literally looking, I don't even say outside the box, I say outside the circle. Why even make it a box, right? Just think differently. Trapezoid. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, think outside the trapezoid. There there have to be a box. And so creative business thinking is what different ways could we look at this business and come up with ways to take advantage of what we do better than other people? Um, you know, let me expand on this for a minute, too. This is a great concept. I can um, try to explain it. Everybody, every customer has what I call the, the business services store shelf, right? So your, your company, Sales Fuel, you've got a legal team that you rely on. I don't know if you've got somebody in-house or out-of-house. You've got creative people. I don't know if they're in-house or out-of-house you've got insurance, you've got investment, you've got all these different areas that you rely on people. And then you're constantly being pitched by other people like me. Hey, Lee, I want to do your creative services. Well, you've got somebody like that. And so now my pitch, my uniqueness has got to be that much better than the person you're doing that with now Mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to think about using this guy because he's giving me something that I don't have on my business services store shelf now. And at my seminars, I try to show this to people as I show them a shampoo aisle in a CVS or a Walgreens. It's filled. Every last square inch of that space is filled with shampoos of every size and shape and natural and organic. And they smell like coconut or they smell like lemon or whatever they are. And if you have a new shampoo that you want to get into that space, where's it going? There's not a spot for Audrey's new shampoo idea to go on that shelf. So you've got to now convince that buyer, you've got to take this brand off and put my brand on. And so that creative business thinking is a way to look at your business in a way that's going to enable it to get on my business's store shelf and replace whoever is there now. Because we, we live in a world of commodities where all these things are replaceable. If you got Uber, I got Lyft. If you've got Avis, I've got Hertz. Mm-hmm. If you've got McDonald's, I've got Burger King. All these things exist already. So how often do we truly have something that is groundbreaking, unique, Tesla with battery-operated cars? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now General Motors has battery-operated cars as well. Those competitive advantages don't last long. They erode over time, for sure. And Really and, quickly in the market today with the way the internet works. And, and the thing with, with, with managers is, is that, and this is something that salespeople know, but necessarily, but if you're managing a team and you're trying to push to put a project through, you're trying to get budget for something, is that the biggest objection you're going to face is, why change? Why, you know, why do we have to do anything different? We're happy with the way things are right now. Uh, well, that's unproven, and we're uncertain about that, and that, it, it can actually make things worse. I don't know about that. And so the biggest obstacle that, that, that you're going to face as a manager in getting something approved is, you know, people being comfortable with doing what they're already doing. Yeah, well, the status quo is definitely the enemy of all of us 
And that comfort level is the enemy of all of us. And so you need to come up with unique ways of presenting that to kind of prove out your concept, to give people an idea. Well, I understand what you're saying, but do you know I just went out on my own, spoke to 10 different people about this without even naming names and giving people specifics. So in the interest of gender equity here, so um, I had a boss then who was very left-brained and didn't really appreciate the creative process, felt that time on, on brainstorming or branding or you know, creative copywriting and things like that was a big waste of time. And uh, so if you encounter somebody like that o- over you, uh, and he was, uh, you know, he, he was very much that way. And I spent, I, I got very frustrated, I have to tell you, because I fancy myself as a creative person. You're a creative thinker. Yeah. So how does somebody then who has a boss like that, who, whatever, who doesn't appreciate creativity and doesn't want to spend any money or time or resources on being creative, how can we do it anyway? Or how can we get them to see the light if that's possible? Well, you know, depending on the function that you have, within the organization, you may be able to show off your creativity or put it into place in different ways that you manage your time or your skill or the way that you interact with customers within reason. You can't go completely off off the railroad tracks and be doing something completely different than the company. But you can start to experiment with some of your own ideas within reason to see if, in fact, what you're doing or what you're thinking about or what you pitched actually does have some merit, and you might be able to actually achieve some results that way and bring them back. Sometimes people are in those higher positions, and they are, they, they do block progress, and it does make it difficult for a young uh, Lee Smith to, to advance, and sometimes the only advancement that you find is to move on to greener pastures someplace else where somebody appreciates what it is you do or what it is you're pitching. We've got a couple minutes left. I want, I know I promised at the top of the show, you're an expert in the 30-second elevator pitch. So give us a few of the tips that you have for people on that. Well, the first thing about elevator pitching that I want people to understand is it's theater. It is theater. You are putting on a performance. It might only be 30 seconds, but for those 30 seconds, you are the star of the show. So I ask you to imagine If you were going on stage to perform Shakespeare and you had to get on stage and say to be or not to be, would your first word out of your mouth be um, to be or not to be, or would it be to be or not to be? So preparation is the number one key. Even the worst elevator pitch in the world, if somebody is prepared and they know what they want to say and they've practiced it over and over again, it at least will come out smoothly. You may not have what's really truly unique about your company practice, but at least you'll not start out with an um. Stand up. Be enthusiastic about what you do. People who you're speaking to might not remember what you say word for word, but if you're excited and enthusiastic about it, they will be as well. They'll at least remember that you cared enough about what you were speaking about, that it was meaningful to you, and that came across There is nothing worse than somebody staring down at their hands and being bored. Because if you're bored and you're not excited about it, there's not really much of a chance that we're going to be either. So preparation and enthusiasm are keys in my book. And why 30 seconds? Why not one minute? Well, 
as I say in, in my literature, you may have just 30 seconds because the truth is, and I've heard this over and over again, that we, we as human beings have a seven second attention span, which people tell me is shorter than that of a goldfish. Now, <laughs> I'd like to know who took the time to, I want to, know. to commission a study yeah. on goldfish. <laughs> it's a taxpayer dollars, figure, come on. Right, actually try to figure out their attention spans. <laughs> but even if you don't believe that about goldfish, you can't believe that if you try to meditate, it takes a couple seconds really to lose your train of thought. Same thing when you're doing an elevator pitch. So 30 seconds is the max, but you've got to start out strong with your first 10 seconds or you're going to lose them right away. Well, the website is alwaysbeencreative.com. Your Twitter, I love this, ABC Glenn. And mm. Glenn, everybody has a double N, just so you know. And you're uh, always been creative on Facebook and obviously Glenn Rudin on LinkedIn. Uh, yes. This has been fascinating. I need to get my elevator pitch uh, written and rehearsed. I'd, I'd love to do it. We can do it right here. Not right now. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Little stage fright? That's unusual for Maybe you, Audrey. Come back. I'll <laughs> do it then. Oh, Glenn, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Good stuff. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.